Welcome to season two of An Unexpected Launch, a podcast sharing stories of people thriving after an unexpected circumstance. I'm continually amazed by the stories of those who use a challenging life event to propel them forward and to create unexpected gifts and beauty. Nearly three years ago, Gil, a father of four, was diagnosed with stage four glioblastoma, or GBM. It's an aggressive, incurable brain cancer, and long-term survivors of GBM are rare. Even with optimal treatment, most individuals survive less than two years. Eight days after his diagnosis, Gil began an aggressive treatment regimen, including surgery, radiation, and 95 rounds of chemotherapy. Residual tumor remains. However, since completing therapy, Gil's tumor has not grown. Gil, powered by his deep faith and his hundreds of prayer warriors worldwide, is now an ambassador for a company with an FDA-approved device for GBM. He's sharing his experiences, perspective, and inspiration. Gil is fueled by helping others who, like him, face an incurable disease. Gil, welcome to an unexpected launch. Thank you. So you just celebrated your 20-month anniversary, as you call it. What were the results of your most recent MRI this, this past December? Actually, it was my 28-month anniversary, and I've been going every three months for, for the last couple MRIs now. Initially, they checked me every two months, but the doctor said, you know, Gil, you've been stable for so long. Let's just check you every three months. And so this past December, it again, like they always have come back, it came back stable, no growth, basically the same size as the moment after surgery. They couldn't get all of it out during surgery because this cancer tends to have root-like structures that go deeper into the brain. Um, so December, another glorious, stable MRI. It was just, uh, I don't want to say I'm, I've come to expect them because I don't want to take anything for granted, but it's just been par for the course. And so it was uh, super exciting. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, that is Thank absolutely you. fantastic news. So when you got the results of that MRI, though you said you were perhaps mm-hmm. expecting it, what did you feel in that moment of hearing that your tumor is <laughs> stable? <laughs> Every time I get those good, good results, a shot of adrenaline just rushes through me. Um, you know, it just makes me feel like uh, things are cruising along uh, as normal and you know, all the prayer words that are praying for me and this, this FDA device that I wear on my head and, and this ketogenic diet that I'm on, all, all three of those uh, approaches have, have, again, come together to, to buy me some more time on this planet. So I, I, I was just ecstatic. Well, that's, that's absolutely fantastic, and I'm, I'm thrilled for, yeah. for that news. Yeah, thank you. So let's take a, a, a step back, going back a couple of a uh, couple of years ago or three years ago. Uh-huh. So you had experienced yep. about three days of excruciating, unbearable head pain. You end up driving yourself to an emergency room, and a CAT scan mm-hmm. reveals that you have a golf ball-sized tumor that's pressing on your brain. So you're sent for an MRI, which is suggestive of brain cancer. 
you're a deeply religious man. You went home and you prayed that night. Did that bring you a sense of peace? Um, the first night, I would have to say a little bit of peace. However, before I went to bed and prayed, I went on the internet and researched this horrible cancer. And it kind of shook me up finding out that about half of all people with this cancer die in 15 months. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm only 48. I've got four kids that uh, aren't even out of college yet, much less married. I really, really want to see my grandkids um, someday. And so, um, you know, I did get a little bit of peace praying that night going to bed, but, but I still had all the, um, the recent statistics just churning in my head when I went to bed that first night. I think the information that we can find that we have access to on the internet can be can be um, incredibly frightening, and I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. There's a great information at our fingertips, but um, can definitely cause that sense of, of panic. So you ultimately yeah. you you see an oncologist and you're diagnosed mm-hmm. with stage four GBM. So you've done a little bit of, of research now. So you hear this diagnosis, you understand the dire prognosis. What did you feel in that moment? Well, they really didn't know for sure exactly what type of brain cancer it was until they operated, took a little slice of the cancer and put it under a microscope. So it was, um, uh, I think it was a couple no, it's actually, yeah, I believe it was the day after when they revealed to me that, yes, in fact, just what we had suspected, Gil, this is grade four GBM. So at that moment, I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, can, can I please be on the, the far end of the curve? Because I know there's, there's a wide spectrum of, of survival with any, any cancer, any disease. So I know that... Um, there's a few lucky percent that, that can live quite a long time with, with any cancer. So I was just praying that I could be on the far end of the curve and and, um, and be around for, like I said, my ultimate goal was to, to hug and love on my grandkids that I hope to have someday. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so knowing this, what did you fear the most? I guess it was that, the, the fact that I like, very easily and actually quite likely, statistically, would, would die before, you know, my, my kids were, were even married, much less with, with, with kids. So that, that was the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think... As parents, we, we instinctively, we want to protect our children. We want to be there for them as long as we can. How did you share the news of your diagnosis with your children? Yeah, I've got four kids, and there's a big age range. At the time, my youngest was eight. So with him, I, I didn't want to uh, shock him. I just wanted to do, do the best I could um, to let him know what was going to be happening because he certainly was going to see um, 
band-aids on my head after the surgery and he would be asking questions. So I let him know ahead of time. I said, hey, you know, Tommy, I've been having some really, really bad headaches lately. I went to the doctor and they did an x-ray. I call it an x-ray because he knows x-rays. They did an x-ray and they found, they found kind of this, this bump inside my head. And I'm going to go to the hospital in a couple days and they're just going to cut it out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really easy. And it's actually, Tommy, not even going to hurt that much at all because, you know, they're going to have to cut out a little bit of my bone to get inside there. And bone doesn't hurt when you cut it. So it's really actually going to be pretty easy, the doctor said. So I'll come back after they take it out and I'll just have band-aids on my head while, while my skin heals. So I'm really looking forward to them cutting that out. So um, I think it's going to be in three days from now. So that was how I approached it with the youngest. And the next three were 15, 18, and 21 at the time. And so the three of them, I know they they were going to have full access to the Internet. And I just, I felt like I wanted to be fully fully, you know, up clear with them and just let them know what was going on. And so I, I, I told them, you know, I, I said, guys, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got what they think is some type of brain cancer. They're not sure yet. They're going to cut it, cut it out and then put it under a microscope to figure out what it is. But I'm going in for surgery uh, in three days. I've, I've luckily found an amazing surgeon at Henry Ford in Detroit and so I'm really optimistic that, um, that this is going to go as well as possible. Um, number one, great surgeon. But number two, I'm young and I'm healthy. And so I should be able to handle everything they throw at me, whether it's radiation, chemotherapy. I should heal from the surgery very well. So, guys, I'm very optimistic, and I want you guys to be too. Um, and I'm actually going to try this ketogenic diet, guys. The doctor didn't tell me about it, but I found it online, and I – I know a lot of my doctor friends in the cancer business that I'm in recommended it as well. And so it's going to help to kind of starve the little bit of cancer that, that's likely going to be left over afterwards because they, they likely won't be able to get all of it. They're going to hope for like 90 95%. And so um, I think with that, that approach to this, uh, this whole process, guys, I'm feeling optimistic and actually, guys, you know, thanks to God and thanks to, um, you know, all the praying I've been doing lately, I, I actually now am very peaceful with all of this. And I want you guys to be too. You just, you know, what you can do for me is just all of you just pray for me and my health and pray for my doctors that, that they that they do a great job at what they're, what they're trained to do, guys. All right. And so that's how I approached it with the older three. And they... You know what? I, I was really happy that, um, you know, at the very beginning, I saw some shocked looks on their faces. But with the way I approached it and with my peace and optimism, I'm very happy that none of them, at least at that moment, cried. You know, I'm, I'm certain that, you know, behind closed doors on the Internet, they, they may have done some research and shed some tears, but not at that moment. So I believe um, I feel like it went over real well with, with all four of them. Well, I think children just instinctively, as much as we want to protect our children, they also want to protect us and they worry about us. And I Uh think that it was 
such a gift that you were able to approach that conversation so optimistically and coming at it with a feeling of peace. What a gift, gift that was for them as they are absorbing this news. And as you say, your oldest three likely were able to find information on, on their own, as you say, mm-hmm. um, on the internet. And I, I think, again, just you being so optimistic had to be incredibly supportive as they were dealing with, with this news. And I'm sure that as yeah. each scan comes back stable, they must be ecstatic. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you've endured intensive treatment. What gave you the strength to continue undergoing therapy? I mean, when I think about brain surgery, radiation can be grueling, exhausting, cause a lot of fatigue, and 95 mm-hmm. rounds of chemotherapy, I mean, that's that's a, a lot of treatment. So how did yeah. you find that strength to keep going? Well, you know, like you said earlier, I, I have a strong relationship with God. I've got deep faith. And, you know, I just, I believe he's, he's perfect and he's all-knowing. And, and I believe he allows these type of things, these, these illnesses, because he knows that he can bring a greater good out of them. And so, I, you know, the second night after my diagnosis, I was surrendering my cancer to him and trusting him and telling him, you know, you can take me tonight or you can leave me till I'm 100. I trust you, and I'm just along for the ride. So, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the passenger. You're the pilot. So, um, yeah, that's 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 my approach. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think and that's that where I get my strength. having something that continues to give you to fuel you to go through that treatment has to be incredibly mm-hmm. powerful. Um. So each morning you you awake knowing that you have an incurable cancer. And so knowing mm-hmm. this, how do you live each day to the fullest? Well, I start every morning praying. Right after my alarm goes off, the first thing I do is I thank God for another day and and then I I go through a quick list of 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 all the of all the key blessings that that he's blessed me with. Um you know, my health, my, my job, um, this amazing world we live in and, and my, the gift of faith he's given me and, and my family. And, and, you know, I just start off being very grateful and gracious to, to God for all the gifts I've, I've had. And, and, um, yeah, so that, that, that's how I, and then, you know, in order to live each day to the fullest, as I go throughout the day, I am just very, very cognizant of, of every little blessing that comes my way, and, and I want, uh, in that moment, I like to, to thank him. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for that. Thank you. Just to show him that I'm eternally grateful for for everything that, that he blesses me with. And, you know, you just, you just don't take even the, the smallest thing for... You know, for um, <laughs> getting more for granted. Don't take even the smallest thing for what's the word? For granted. I don't take even the smallest thing for granted. I mean, just just a, a beautiful bird that crosses my path, or a, a stranger who who you know 
introduces himself to me and we talk about this crazy device on my head and and they walk away saying, you know, Gil, I'm going to pray for you. So, you know, there's just countless blessings every day that we all have. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's just what really helps me live each day of the post. Well, and in just being in, in contact with you, I know yesterday you were out kayaking on the river for three hours. Yeah. Today you were mm-hmm. walking along the ocean and swimming. And so I think there's there's nothing like facing your own mortality to show you just the beauty of every moment and as you say just being thankful for for waking up in the morning yes so early on in your cancer journey you went on a pilgrimage to france can you tell us a little bit about that experience and what it meant to your recovery sure um there's a catholic lay organization called the federal order of malta and they sponsor um what the french word is malade which means the, the sick um, they accept applications of people who want to go to Lourdes, France, which is uh, one of the most visited holy pilgrimage sites in all of Europe. It's a, it's a place where in the late, late 1800s, Mother Mary appeared to a young teenage girl and told her to scrape the ground and drink and bathe in the water that will flow there. And sure enough, a uh, natural spring has been flowing there ever since, and 27,000 gallons of water flow from it every day, and healing miracles have happened um, at this, either at the site or as a result of people visiting the site and either drinking the water there or taking some home with them, as I did. So I applied to go on this trip, and I was only one of 150 Americans chosen to go on a free seven-day pilgrimage to Lourdes, France. They paid for my airfare, my food, and my lodging. It was an amazing trip. I was there with um, several others. There were a few others that also had GBM, either from America or from other countries, and and I got to meet some just amazing people that were so hopeful to visit this site. Um, And just... It was just such a beautiful mountainous region, and we went to Mass every day, and it was just so amazing of a city. And you can just feel God's love and God's support through um, through Mary there, and it was just a blessed experience. And I, I took home 10 liters of Lord's water, and I bought 50 tiny glass vials and a little tiny funnel so that I could then give out Lord's water to my Catholic friends in need back home who have either people in their direct family or their any friends or relatives who were sick or going through some challenges and would offer them some Lord's water. And it, it's, uh, it's been a very rewarding experience giving out that water to people, and they were so appreciative of it. I love that you were able to share some of your experience with so many. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking a little bit about this device that, that you're wearing. Yeah. Um, so this is a device that uh, disrupts cancer cell growth using electric fields. And you were mm-hmm. selected as an ambassador for this company to share your perspective with patients, with physicians. What's it like to have this opportunity to share your experiences with others? It has been such a fantastic journey being an ambassador for this company. Um, 
Yeah, well, I'll either take phone calls from patients who are thinking about wearing it or who have already started wearing it and who may be having some problems, or from the caregivers, uh, say the spouse of the person with cancer that wants to better understand what it's like to live with this device. And like you said, occasionally they'll, they'll put me in front of a room of uh, physicians to give my perspective from a patient perspective. And so it is so incredibly rewarding because this device is proven to give people more time on this planet if you wear it. And the more you wear it, the better your odds of surviving are. So I can't imagine anything more rewarding than talking to these physicians and patients and encouraging them to either start this device or stick with this device because if I, I, I walk away from these encounters knowing that I have just likely helped someone live longer with their loved ones and their friends. So it is just a beautiful experience to, to be an ambassador for this company. What's the most common question that you get from either patients or their caregivers? Well, just kind of day in a life questions. What, what does it feel like to wear that? Um, what are the side effects? Um, how heavy is that backpack to carry on your back with the machine inside of it? Um, how long did it take you to get used to it? I just get, eh, you know, there's, I wouldn't say there's one most common question that I could identify, but it's kind of like day in the life. Mm -hmm. with the device. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's those practical, yeah. it's the practical things that people are, are thinking about, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. How often do I have to wear it? Those type of questions. Yep. And just to let those who are listening know who might be interested in the show notes, I will include a link to this company so mm -hmm. that individuals can, can research that a little bit more and learn a little bit more about it. Um, That's great. That's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. So despite all of the aggressive multimodality therapy that you've, you've endured, as we mentioned in the beginning, residual tumor does remain. Um, it's mm -hmm. you know unable to be removed completely by surgery. And you refer to this as a squatter in your head, someone who's not <laughs> paying rent. And I, I loved that. <laughs> And I wanted you to tell us a little bit more about your relationship with this squatter. <laughs> well, I remember, I remember specifically the first time I coined that phrase. It was to my mom and dad. We, I was on the phone with them. They live in Florida. I live in Michigan. And, you know, we, we were talking about how, how well the surgery went, and then the surgeon was really happy with how much he got out. But unfortunately, mom and dad, there's still a little bit left in there, and... Um, you know, we're just going to kind of keep checking in on it and make making sure it doesn't grow. And what happens if it does grow, Gil? Well, Mom, I could I could easily go through another surgery and more chemotherapy. So I'm young and healthy, and you know, we're just going to take this day by day, Mom. And then the next MRI, two months later, came back stable. And I said, Mom, isn't that great news? And she's like, Yeah, I would have been better news if it were completely gone and I said you know what mom I've got a little squatter in my head he's just kind of hanging out he's not paying rent and he's not causing any problems so I don't care and she's like Gil let's get him out of there I said I'm fine with the squatter mom <laughs> I love that I don't know why but there's just I, I love that you've 
you know, you've got this cancer, this tumor that remains in your brain. And I, I just, I love that view of this is somebody who's coming along for a ride and <laughs> um, <laughs> just got to develop a relationship, <laughs> you know, somewhere or another, right? <laughs> yeah. So for other individuals who are in your situation, who are facing a GBM uh, diagnosis, what do you think is the most important wisdom that you can share with them as they navigate their journey? You know, I I just pray that they too have the gift of faith like I do. And, and I would say just, you know, just talk, give it up to God and just worry about the things that you can control. Like, you know, taking your medicine, how your doctor instructs you to, um, you know, getting enough sleep, enough rest eating properly and just just focus on what you can control because the rest of the stuff is just obviously outside of our control you can't control it so why worry about it doesn't doesn't do anything but but add angst to your life and you know stress in anyone's life is bad but especially when someone has cancer stress can wreak havoc on your health so do your best to to gain as much peace as often and as quickly as you can with, with any, any challenges that come your way. Whether it's health-related, job-related, family-related, just, just work to find, find the peace that you, that you so deserve. I think that's an incredibly important because there are so many things when you're facing a diagnosis like this that you, you absolutely have no control over, and that can be mm-hmm. incredibly anxiety-producing. And I think that, yep. um, like you say, being able to be aware of what you can control is, is incredibly important. And so it, then as we think about family members of, of somebody who's been diagnosed with cancer, you know, family members aren't trained nor are they emotionally equipped to be caregivers. That's, it's an incredibly difficult role to be put into. Yeah. Yet, when a family member is diagnosed with cancer, individuals are thrust into this position of being a caregiver. What would you most want caregivers to know about the person that they're helping to care for? Um, I would say... Do your best to be as supportive as possible, but in doing so, don't show a whole lot of pity and, oh, I'm so sorry, because, you know, if, if a person like me is is coming from a, a, you know, a point of view of optimism and hope, that, you know, we don't, we don't want nor need that. What we, what we do need is, you know, just letting us know that, that you're there for me. You know, I'm I'm here for you. What, what can I do for you? You know, how can I how can I help you today? You know, just being just so loving and supportive at at every step along the way is um, is really the best um, best way to show love and support to someone going through cancer. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's that's incredibly sure. powerful. So. Through many different avenues, you have developed a worldwide network of, you call them your prayer warriors. What, <laughs> what do their prayers and support mean to you? I just, you know, I, I feel like all of my prayer warriors' prayers that, that get offered up on a daily basis are, are like 
just a massive bank account, bank account filled with gold bars. I, I truly feel just so blessed and so rich to have all these people praying for me because, you know, God, God that's part of God's plan. He wants us to care for and pray for and love each other on earth, you know? And so, um, the more prayer warriors I get, you know, the more God smells down on, on me and, and, you know, it's, it's no guarantee that I'm going to live to see my grandkids that I'm, I'm hoping to see, but, but it, you know, prayer is powerful and prayer works. And so it's just, means the world to me. It makes me feel like a, a very rich man here on earth. Well, and I know that in addition to people praying for you, you very much are somebody who offers up prayer for others, and I know how important that is to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I keep a, a prayer spreadsheet that I go through every day, and, and you know, unfortunately, sometimes if people pass, or um, I'll, I'll delete they get to lead it off the prayer spreadsheet, obviously, or in, in for good reasons, people get to lead off the prayer spreadsheet. Their their problems have resolved, and and also, um, I'll be constant. I always am constantly adding to my prayer spreadsheet when people reach out to me and ask for my prayers. So, um, but uh, it's my go-to every day, and I and I just love uh, thinking about and praying for all the people on my prayer spreadsheet. That's fantastic. So what would you say has been the most difficult aspect of navigating your cancer journey? You know what? I, I, I hit it at this early on in our chat. I, ever since the second night after diagnosis, that night when I was praying up a storm to God saying, you know, I might be seeing you here pretty quick. And like I said, I surrendered my cancer to him and told him I trust him. I'm, I'm along for the journey. But also on that very night, because I felt like there was a good chance that I could be meeting God fairly soon, I decided to make a pretty decent change in my life. You know, I, I had a bad habit that I, that I needed to get rid of that, that could could have jeopardized my afterlife. And I got rid of that on the spot. And I promised God and I told him, you just watch, gone. And so ever since that second night, I have to be honest with you, I have not had a lot of challenges with this journey. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that the, the chemotherapy that's best for this type of cancer was number one a pill, so I never had to go to the hospital get an IV. But number two, it was it's on the milder side of all chemo. So as long as I took my anti-nausea pill at the, the exact right time before my chemo pill, you know I never got sick taking chemo. So I have not had a a very challenging time throughout this journey with my cancer. Now I have to say that. Um, Earlier this month, unfortunately, I got I got served divorce papers. So that has been the most challenging aspect of this cancer journey. But I'm still um, able, like I said, to keep peace with with my health. 
Well, I'm so sorry to hear about uh, the change in your in your family dynamics. I know that that's yeah. uh, stressful in addition to what you're facing as, as well as your health. And I think one of the things that is encouraging the the research that's that's going that's ongoing in the field of oncology is is incredible and there have been so many advances in therapeutics that are effective and yeah. not as toxic as traditional chemotherapy the intravenous chemotherapy and there have been many oral chemotherapies that have been developed and so I'm happy that that was something that was available yeah. to you and clearly effective that's that's wonderful yeah mm-hmm. So I know uh, throughout our conversation that that faith is something that's incredibly important to you. It's a source of strength and, mm-hmm. and inspiration. Where else do you find sources of inspiration? You know, definitely, you know, my, my parents, my sisters, all of my friends, and even complete strangers that I meet, like I mentioned earlier, with this thing on my head. And with all the travels I do, I fly to New Jersey every week and back from Michigan. And so constantly, at the grocery store, in the airports, everywhere I go, people just have to kind of stare at these 36 ceramic electrodes that are stuck to my head. <laughs> and so, you know, I, 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 like, I like talking with people and trying to be inspirational to them, which I get a lot of people telling me that I am. So when I when I see people's eyes kind of staring at me, I don't avert my eyes. I look them right in the eyes and I smile at them. And a lot of times this welcomes them in and encourages them to to say one of three things that I hear all the time. I gotta ask, or can I ask, or what's going on? <laughs> I get that all the time, and I'm and I'm very open about it and I, I could care less about talking about this device and about my cancer um, for two reasons. Number one, for selfish reasons because a lot of times, like I said, I walk away with people saying, what's your name? And Gil. Gil, I'm going to pray for you. And I say, oh, thank you so much. So number one, selfishly. But number two, after telling my journey and my peace and my faith, with the worst brain cancer, a lot of times they walk away telling me, oh, you've been so inspirational to me. And then um, there's even sometimes where I point them to my Caring Bridge website where I've chronicled my health journey um, through cancer, including a lot of inspirational and, and biblical quotes that I will then send them to and say, hey, would you like to check out my website? A lot of people have told me um, that it's been very inspirational and helpful to them um, because they're going through stressful times. And and you certainly can feel free to share this with anyone if you you feel like they might benefit from it. So I feel so good knowing that I've helped people, you know, that that are either going through some, some illness themselves or maybe some rough family times or rough times at work or loss of a job. So, so it just, it just, um, makes me feel so happy that I'm able to, to help out people in in any small way or in any large way that I can. 
Well, you know, one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast is that I truly believe that by hearing the stories of others, we find hope and inspiration. And that's certainly what you are seeing as you're out having conversations. And in turn, I also believe that the individual who is sharing their story derives joy and strength from sharing their story. And so you and I are very much aligned in that. And so I'm so appreciative of you sharing your story today because I know that you have inspired so many and uh, really incredibly grateful that you are sharing your your story in this format. I'm happy to. (laughs) So what would you say is the biggest gift that's come through your experience with an incurable brain tumor? It is the gift of just this massive outpouring of love and support from, you know, from, like I said, from my my prayer warriors, my friends, and, and complete strangers that I come across. It's just, it's just been so beautiful to watch this journey through cancer unfold before my eyes as I go through each day. It's, it, it's just beautiful. It, it, it has reignited my my faith in humanity and, and that um, the people, you know, most people deep down are, are very loving and caring and supportive. I mean, it's interesting. Were it not for this, this tumor, you wouldn't have had that incredible experience in France. And I think about the number of people who've come into your life and um, who've clearly impacted your life and brought you joy and inspiration. And, mm-hmm. and I love that you're able to find that beauty in the experience that you're going through. Yeah. So I think I think I might know the answer to this next question, but I want to ask it anyway. <laughs> what is your greatest hope? Well... It, I, I think you're right on. It, it, I think it is to, to hug and squeeze as many grandkids as <laughs> my, my four kids might uh, might be blessed with down the road. Um, but certainly beyond that, you know, it, it's to just have more and more days on this planet so I can experience the beautiful love that I've experienced, but also be able to inspire as many people as I can along the way. Well, I I sincerely hope for stable scans uh, in in the foreseeable future. You have so much love and joy and inspiration to to share. So I hope that continues along to the many grandchildren uh, of your of your four children. <laughs> Gil, is there anything that that you and I haven't talked about that you'd like our listeners to know? You know, I do have a fun story to share with you. I I was in a grocery store one day, and I I got that look from a lady, and she got to asking what was going on. And I told her, and she started tearing up. I said, oh, are you okay? She said, yeah, I lost my husband to cancer two months ago. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, what's your name? She said, Susie. And I said, Susie, I'm going to be praying for your peace. And she said, oh, that is so kind of you. What, wait, what is your name? I said, Gil. And she said, I'm going to be praying for your health and your peace. 
And as I walked out of that grocery store, I started just tearing up a little bit myself, thinking, oh my gosh, this cancer has been a true blessing. I get to meet these amazing people and support them, and they're supporting me. And I said to God, as I walked out of that grocery store, God, please let me always wear this device on my head. And guess what that means, Kirsten? That means please let me always have brain cancer. And I told my mom that, and she said, Gil, why did you say that? And I said, Mom, it's because I mean it. I got this little squatter. He's not causing any problems. But look at all the blessings he's bringing my way. So I just thought I'd share that with you. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Gil. And and thank you for sharing your your inspirational story. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and, and to talk with you. And it's just been uh, so enjoyable for me. And I, I wish you health and happiness and all the best to come. Thank you, Kirsten. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gil. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share an unexpected launch with a friend. Aiden Duncan produced this episode and composed the music.